welcome to the final media club of 2021. I can't believe that we're at the end of the year already. I don't know if I'm looking forward to next year or not. And we're going to look at the chair, the Naomi Osaka documentary and the other black girl, the book. So joining me today, we've got Natalie, we've got Adrian, we've got Hazel and we've got Claire and myself, Sabrina. I forgot to introduce myself. So yeah, if we can share one thing about each piece of media, just like a reflection or like a thought that you have regarding it or like the main takeaway. And then after that, we will share one thing that we look forward to about the holidays. If we start with the Naomi Osaka um, documentary first, my main takeaway was kind of being able to see the pressures that are put on like a young athlete at the top of her game, not to mention everything that she represents along with that being young and being black, representing Japan. I feel like there was just a lot of pressure on her from all angles and you really got an insight of how that pressure can get to someone and how it can affect her mental health and she was just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing to kind of get past it but you saw like the weight of it just breaking it down on it breaking it down and the media like the impact that the media has on athletes let alone young athletes and just how no one was really sympathetic to what she was going through during kind of the time and when she lost that game instead of kind of consoling her or something like that it was like there was tearing her apart over the game that she lost and it's like this is not the time to kind of be treating her like this and if she doesn't want to speak like where is the rule that athlete has to give an interview at the end of everything I felt like they should have just taken a step back and let her digest it because she lost at such a high level the last thing she needed was all of that in her face so yeah that was my takeaway it was like eye-opening in terms of you don't really see that kind of insight into what athlete goes through I'm I'm really glad this was suggested because um it had been there in Netflix for me to watch and I just hadn't bothered but I I really liked that yes we got an uh, insight into just how much is on this young person's shoulders and how how people you know they're looking to her for so much but also doubting her a lot and that whole interview after games type of thing oh my god I I don't think we should do that anymore I mean in in many different sports like you know it's not we are all human they that is her job it's not just a game like when we tell kids when they're playing and you know you have to learn to lose obviously but she is a professional athlete and when she loses at such a stage like it's obviously going to affect her quite differently than the rest of us may think you know we're we're spectators we know nothing about the training the pressure she herself puts on herself um you know wanting to uh be the best and at the top of your game like that's a lot that's a lot i don't ugh. i think we should like maybe interview people maybe a day later a few hours to like take a bath okay relax have a glass of wine and then come back and, and talk about it once you have yourself some time to process what it is that just happened. Because it, it is a lot. Like, I could not imagine that amount of pressure on a world stage. Like, there's just no running away from it, really. And there's always going to be, you know, the criticism of it and, and all. And it's so weird how, especially young people today, you know, we are so much more aware of mental health and how important it is to really keep an eye on that. But... At the same time, we're also like, well, just do your job. And your job is to win and talk about it, is to lose and talk about it. And you have to just deal with all the questions and everything.
everything that we're throwing at at you and it doesn't really matter what's going on inside your head but how how is it that we do both of those things we talk about both of those things and we we expect so much from these people i love i love how she she got her own house <laughs> Even though she, you know, she didn't really need to, but no, just, just get your own house, have a room for your shoes, you know, like it's fine. Do what you need to do to be your absolute best. Like playing a sport as a job, as a career is insane, but this is what you need to do. This is how she's going to get through it. The fact that she then ventured into with fashion and stuff like that's fantastic. Like I feel like she needs that. Yeah. I I applaud that. That was a, that was a really good suggestion. to watch that and you know you got to learn a lot and it was it was pretty great she's very impressive very impressive yeah just adding to what nat said i you know her coach at some point said tennis is a solo sport and naomi has disrupted the game and whatever however long it was by choosing to withdraw because of what was going on politically. It was a human rights issue. So I thought that was incredible, especially since she is a woman of color athlete, very high stressful situation. So again, I thought that was incredible. <laughs> again, like at one of those after interviews, she put on a mask with names of, you know, Brianna uh, Taylor, Elijah McLean. And I think one of them was like, well, did you, I forget what they said, but they're like, well, what point were you trying to make? Like, did you, did you achieve your point? And she was like, well, what do you think it means? <laughs> so I just love how I think she described herself as being introverted, but she really like found her voice and used her platform to vocalize it, which is amazing. And she's so young, you know, and my last point is, I think this is a quite complex topic that we probably don't no one has a solution to, but she's a black person claiming an Asian identity. And so I think it's like, I mean, this isn't new news at all, but I think it's the first time that stereotypically homogenous Asian countries have to reconcile the fact that what does being Japanese mean? What does being Chinese mean? What does being Korean mean? Do you have to look a certain way to qualify? Because in Western Western cultures, you know, I can say I'm Asian American and no, no one's, well, <laughs> generally no one's going to be like, okay, yeah, Right. But then in Asia, you know, if if you're black and you say I'm Korean, I'm Japanese, whatever, you're still going to get a little flex. I thought that identity like she's owning it, too. Right. So I thought that identity complex was just fascinating. Um, I literally had this conversation with like my auntie and my cousin the other day. It was about uh, your culture and your identity, like where your um no your ethnicity and your nationality, how the lines cross or what does it mean? Identify with the place that you're born in versus is that your nationality or is that your ethnicity? And I think it came up because there was um, a white lady in Jamaica and she says that she was Jamaican because she was born in Jamaica, grew up there. And a lot of people on the internet attacked her and says no you're begging to be Jamaican you're not Jamaican and she was like I may be white but I was born in Jamaica and I grew up in Jamaica and there was that whole kind of back and forth over what does it actually mean to be Jamaican and I think that's probably a topic that people don't explore because people are defined by the colour of the skin and what people identify that colour to represent that's a whole new topic for another day but it's just interesting that you brought that all clear um, so yeah I digress I'll bring it back on track I just want to go back to talking about like the interview after the games because one part that really touched me in the documentary was when she beat Coco Goff um, then she asked for them to do the interview together afterwards and she really she didn't want her to go off the court feeling like sad and defeated and 
you know, during the interview, she kept talking about how amazing Coco Golf was and how she wanted to lift her up. And she's really incredible. And I was just really, really touched by that moment. I think it really showed how hard like those interviews are for her, you know, and how she didn't want another young woman who had been defeated to like feel so alone facing interviews or, or walking off the court the way that she might have felt. I, I don't know. I felt like like Naomi extending that hand to Coco Goff also kind of showed how she might also feel about interviews and maybe wish that other people would do for her. When Coco Goff did beat her like later on and Naomi just walked off, I don't know. I felt really sad. Like I just felt like, hey, Coco, couldn't you have like also had her stay on and could have said something? I mean, obviously, I don't know the two of them. I don't know what their friendship is like. And this is just an outside spectator perspective. But I don't know, just seeing Naomi do that for the first time touched me so much that it really it left such a big impression on me and I, I felt so sad when it, it felt like she wasn't getting the same type of like consideration extended to her about how she might have felt you know losing so that was one part that really touched me and then I know the other thing that I wanted to say that I was really interested about this documentary was just this idea of like being at the top and what type of mentality you have to have to be at the top. And then as she was saying, like it was different from like a chaser or a followers type of like mentality. She had been working so hard to beat different players. And then once she got to the top, it was like there's no one above her to like act as her her role model or her her goal. So it was like a completely different perspective and she wasn't sure what to do about it. I think that that's also very interesting thinking about how you have a, one mentality when you're you're striving for the top. And then once you're at the top, you have to have a different type of mentality in order to stay at the top. So it's like not actually the same things. So I thought I thought it was very interesting. I think what it did was highlight how much of a solo sport it is and that you don't have your whatever situation, whether it's win or lose, you don't have your team, the whole we play together sense, go back to at the end. And yeah, you go back to the team that helped you kind of get to where you were. But it's not the same as having players stand next to you and kind of go through that whole process of you winning or you losing together. So it was kind of sad to kind of see the way that you walked off. It highlighted, you know what, you, you walked onto the court by yourself. So you've got to be prepared for whatever situation when you leave in. Mm, yeah, I don't have much else to add. Like the reason why I watched it in the first place was my brother and his wife recommended it because I don't watch tennis. The only thing I knew about Naomi Saka that she played for Japan and that she'd withdrawn from interviews in a tennis tournament because of mental health or pressure. That was all I knew about her. I thought she grew up in Japan. I didn't even know she like spoke with an American accent and spoke English. Like I didn't even know that. I just thought she spoke Japanese. And so I didn't really know anything about her. So I thought it was really interesting. And especially, yeah, what you guys have already spoken about, like being in a solo sport and seeing how hard that must be. And yeah, like you were saying, Claire, about when she was on, when she did the Black Lives Matter stuff with the masks and when she asked that guy the question on the court I, yeah I thought she was really impressive and it looked like she was having a really hard time <laughs> like it looked really really stressful and so much pressure and it was just like a really good insight into a solo athlete's 
life. Yeah, it was really interesting, I thought. And yeah, yeah, that's all really. I just wanted to make a really short comment, but you were talking about how she uh, spoke English. And I was going to say that one thing I was also really surprised about was, yeah, the way that she spoke with an American accent, because I also had thought that she grew up in Japan and she was, you know, fully Japanese and everything. But then also just like the way that she spoke with like a lilt at the end, everything that she said kind of sounded like a question. And I thought that was very interesting. You know, like I wasn't sure if it was just the way that she's used to speaking because I mean there are many Americans that speak like that especially I think young girls but it also it did really make her seem like she was questioning everything that she said and she wasn't really saying anything with conviction so it, I thought it was very interesting and I I guess I would be curious to know like how much of it is a habit and how much of it is a reflection of maybe how she she feels about her her mental state or the sport or some of the things that she was addressing going forward it'll be interesting kind of see how she develops and kind of grows as a player hopefully things aren't as intense because all a lot of the pressure went on it during kind of like it was highlighted during the pandemic and no one had a choice but to kind of just hone in on everything that we're watching so yeah if she can handle this pressure at this time it's like what can what can she do going forwards and I think you can you saw the way she grew as an individual and as a player during kind of the course of the documentary just be impressive see what steps she takes going forward moving on to the chair and it was quite some time ago that we all watched it my first impressions of it it was slow to get into at first and I was just like okay when's this gonna um, pick up but first it was just like a background show where I was doing something and then as it kind of went on I was like oh I need to like pay attention more because this is kind of getting juicy I really enjoyed it's, this goes how bad the confliction between correct me if I pronounce her name wrong is it Ji Yoon the main character Sandra I forgot her name <laughs> I'm not gonna lie I, I can't remember <laughs> can we just call her Sandra oh, oh do you remember Hazel it was a guest Gia? oh maybe I'm not sure oh, yeah. okay, we'll, like we'll, just, it up we'll just refer to her as Sandra O it is Sandra O isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. which, which I, I am aware well, you're that right. June. it's June, June. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah, here's me trying to make an effort to remember characters names okay. like, I don't know oh, we, we, wa- we watched this a long time ago right <laughs> yeah. but we Did talked about her for Killing Eve so I'm aware this yeah. is the second time we're talking about the lovely Sandra O but anyways thank you Anyway, I like seeing the kind of confliction between her character trying to do what was best for her daughter who she adopted and kind of like the stigma that came around with her adopting her daughter. Dealing with the politics at work, but not only from having the position of the chair, the responsibilities that came with it, her love life interfering with it and the confliction of what dating a white man represented at the with all of the politics going on on campus. And then supporting her colleague. You saw her go through like a range of emotions and I don't think anyone really appreciated the efforts that she was putting in and how hard it is to make a decision when so many different things are impacted and it felt like everyone was demanding so much from her and it was like give her a break like you're not letting her settle into her role you've put all this pressure on her to fail when the black woman decided to, that she was going to leave I just thought come on like I know that the situation is not savory but she is actually doing what she can to support you like you might not see it but she's fighting in the back background to kind of get you the respect and the recognition you need whilst trying to deal with the politics that her boyfriend or whatever has stirred up on campus yeah I just felt really sorry for her and I feel like she did all she can did and I was happy at how it ended and kind of like the stance that she took and that she relinquished the role even though the, the vote was pretty much voted her out of it but like if they didn't vote her out of it she would have just been like sod it take it back anyway because she really did get to that point where 
where it was just like, why am I breaking myself for all these people when really I should be making sure that my daughter actually knows that I do love her as, as a daughter, not as an adopted daughter. Like everything was trying to cloud her from doing what she needed to do. Yeah, I had quite mixed feelings about the chat. Like I thought it was very watchable and I liked it and I liked the story about her and her daughter. And um, I liked seeing the Korean family members at the first birthday party and all of that side of things, her relationship with her dad, all of that. But I hated her boyfriend. I hated him. I couldn't understand why she liked him. I thought he was so irritating. I thought he was a waste of space. I didn't like the older women. I didn't like the older men. What else didn't I like? There were quite a few things I didn't like. Um, I part, part of me also felt like it maybe wasn't suited to be a comedy. Like it wasn't a comedy comedy, but I felt like maybe it should have just been a serious drama actually I feel like it maybe would have been a bit more appropriate like especially because a a lot of the focus was on like racism and sexism within academia I feel like I would have been quite happy with it being a serious drama without it trying to be a bit funny like because it felt a bit cringe at times from what I remember I agree that it was a little iffy about it being just a straight up comedy but then like that that category if they can't put you in like certain other things everything else is a comedy like when it comes to like (laughs) award shows and stuff eh, yeah it's a little weird but I like the cringy parts of it because I did cringe at a lot as well. The boyfriend, I don't, uh, why? Yes, why? Why? His storyline, it just should have never happened. You're not an idiot. And then the fact that he kept defending himself, you know, just being at a college campus and this is what we're supposed to ask of our students or whatever. I was like, eh. My husband would tell me, well, certain, you know, not everything could be off limits. And I was like, but, but it's a TV show. We can say that a Nazi salute in academia is off limits, okay? Like, come on, come on. I think he was a little, like, his character was just too, not naive. He, I feel like he knew what he was doing and was just trying to cause a stir, get attention, whatever. I feel like Sandra, God love her. I mean, the woman could do no wrong in my eyes. She's fantastic. <laughs> um, her character, though, I think, so, yes, people were asking so much of her in, like, a short period of time. It's like, okay, here's your title, and now fix everything. Just do it. Her friend. I I was upset too that she had decided to leave because like it it was it was a it seemed like um her getting this position seems like both a huge step and a small one at the same time because it's like girl I I have your back you know this and here I am all of a sudden in this position that you know neither one of us really have ever been looked at for before and this and that and here we are making these small strides I am bringing you with me you and and it seems that her friend doubted that but also didn't at the same time like she she was like telling her how she deserved it and like it's gonna be great or whatever but then at the same time it's like well I gotta go because she wasn't you know I guess she didn't feel, you know, she wasn't getting what she needed out of out of the job. And and you know, her her coworker, the older guy with the glasses, I forgot his name, but the the one they made like teach together uh, with her. Oh God, man! <laughs> like, okay, you have tenure and that's why you're here. But wow, learn a little. Like, you know, that's the whole teaching part of the of the series. It kind of hit me because June she wanted to just to teach. Like that is her passion and what she 
really wants to do. It's like, why am I here? I'm here to teach and to bring this like joy, this love of, of academia that she has to all of these other students. That's fantastic. That's what you want out of a professor. And to not change and learn with the times, the older teachers, you know, who had been there for so long and just were doing the same thing over and over. I'm not a certified teacher, but I was told that like, you know, just teaching English in Korea, like you can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again, you guys, like that's not how it works. And and for a professor at a college, at a university to not change at all, that's just, man, no, no. And she, she could, I feel like she could have eventually influenced that a bit more. But again, they were asking so much of her and everyone all of a sudden doubted she could do the job when she's like two weeks in. How do you, how does that make sense? You didn't, you didn't give her a chance. You didn't give her a chance. But I want, I want to see Holland Taylor the actress who <laughs> was in her office with, you know, out, you know, set the fire in, in the office. She she was the one who became the chair, right? Okay, yeah. So she's, I like her as an actress. She's fun. I don't know how this is going to play out because it seems like she also was in this position of, well, I want something different, but it didn't seem, it just seemed like she wanted, you know, something different for herself, right? Okay, you're in an office so that nobody knows where you are and you want to complain and you feel like you deserve better. Okay, cool. Cool. But it just seemed like it was just for her and maybe the other tenured professors, not necessarily what Sandra O oh was trying to achieve, where it's like, I'm trying to lead an entire department and do what's best for these students. And she wasn't able to do that because I don't think they gave her the time to do it. And I, I don't know how, how the new chair is really going to, you know, work out. But eh. but let me tell you how much I love that she adopted a Mexican child and she was speaking English, she was speaking Korean, the child was speaking Spanish. Spanish. That is so great. I loved it. Oh my goodness. I loved it. Because how important is it for you to be exposed to all of that? Not just your, you know, your heritage, your ancestry, but you have become a part of this family that is so different from, you know, the life you could have had before that, that family dynamic and those traditions. Well, now you have twice of all of that. You have it double. You still have people who, you have people who love you and who want you to feel loved and be taken care of and you know to teach that to a child is just ugh, amazing loved it loved it loved it I think this really this is just one of those shows where if you're in it you've experienced it you get it and if you if you haven't because I think there were some critiques by predominantly white reviewers that said it wasn't relatable and it's like well guess what if you haven't experienced it you're not going to get it and to be honest like if they went into some of the more deeper issues of racism and HE I think I couldn't have watched it because it's too too real, personally. I think June, uh, Sarah, Sarah, Sandra O oh, being the chair really highlights because there's a glass ceiling for a woman, right? But then there's like the concrete ceiling phenomenon for a wo- woman of color reaching the top. Like she was hit with every single barrier, every chair. I mean, I don't, it was displayed in a comical way, but it's it's very real. And she says that it, it was in the trailer. She says like, I feel like I've been made chair while there's like a fire happening in the department. So they can just say, oh, it was like that woman's fault. Yeah, hundred percent true. This happens all the freaking time and her friendship with Yasmin I mean yeah I think it's one of those very tricky situations where Yasmin like wanted to stay and support June and she wants to support her but sometimes if like you know June had to play the game to win but sometimes like you if you're the only one and you're the only two people in a very white male organization you you can't you have to fend for yourself and I think they kind of tried to say that but I mean I understood because I've been there I don't know what other other 
people who haven't been in the situation would have thought. But I think also Bob is the epitome of the um, useless white man. He didn't. He could have just apologized. He just apologized, dude. But he's saying, "Oh, I work in a university. I am a scholar. I'm an academic. I'm fine. I can defend myself." No, just apologize. That's all it needs. And Joan, let me tell you, like it's it's really interesting because she's one of those women who will say, "Jiun, Yasmin, I'm your friend because I'm also a woman. I've been there." But she's the one that puts that vote on Jiun, so that solidarity wasn't there. <laughs> I think this happens like all the freaking time. So thought there were lots of race and gender dynamics that I think had they gone a little further, I think I would have been too stressed to watch it, frankly. But, you know, on the other hand, she, I love, again, we talked about this in Killing Eve, they don't go into, oh, did you know that she's Korean American? Let's let's talk about that for five seconds. No, it's just, she's talking to her dad in Korean, her dad's super supportive, bam, done, you know, loved it. Like, let's have more shows where we don't have to, like, inquire into the protagonist not being white. Thank you. And I was also thinking when Dave, what's his name, Duchovny, whatever, when they're trying to bring him in, she's like, listen, this is academia. You can't just come in and like claim a lecture or like she tried to emphasize serious it was. And I thought, yeah, also very true. Higher education is very commercialized right now. Yeah. Hey, I don't like him personally. So I was like, why are you another white dude? Really? So yeah, I'll just... I'll just see, yeah, like, and and there. But all in all, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good show. Hopefully, there'll be season two. Who knows? But I will hand it off to Adrian. Yeah. So yeah, I also hated the boyfriend. Yep, hated him. I think like the like I didn't really like the show that much overall. Like I did think it was really funny and I liked the comedy moments, but I'm not really that much into cringe like humor and shows, so it's a little bit painful. Also, I think the problem that I had with it overall was kind of the same reason why I didn't like Killing Eve as much as I. Thought. I did, which was just like, it was so messy, you know, like it was just all these things going on and like, you know, so much stress and and parts of it were too realistic. So I think it was very authentic in showing like what that kind of experience is like. And it was, you know, it did it in a very truthful way. But at the same time, I prefer to watch media that gives me like the fantasy version of things (laughs) because it's like, oh, you know, real life is already so messy. I don't really want to watch other people's messy lives all the time. Sometimes I just want to watch a nice version of things that I can just enjoy and relax to. So yeah, so overall, I didn't, I didn't like find the show that I don't know that much fun or anything. But you know, I did think it was was very um, interesting in what it was trying to portray, and I do really applaud it for being able to present such complicated and serious issues in such understandable and truthful type of uh, narrative that was also very funny. <laughs> Moving on to the book, the other black girl. So Hazel, do you want to just share your thoughts? I'll share my thoughts then. We'll move on. Sure. From what I gathered, I think you liked it more than I did. In the review, when I finish on my Kindle, I always have to give a review on Amazon and I gave it three out of five just to give an idea. I got through it. It was readable and fairly enjoyable. And I like the fact that there was a character called Hazel because Hazel is never, she was kind of the evil one, but like <laughs> normally there are no Hazels in the well. Sorry, this is spoilers. Wait, but, can, oh, are no, you guys planning on reading it? I'm I'm 31% in. Like, oh, crap. Like, okay. I've been, but no, no, no. But it's fine because I've read a few reviews. Oh, okay. um, so that's okay. I'm still gonna finish it. Like I, okay. I thought, yeah, no, no, no. All I right, thought well, it would be done by now. But go ahead. Yeah, sorry, All right. 
<laughs> I'm going to think, okay, no, it's good to know you're reading it. I'll try and think carefully while I speak why I didn't like, uh, it kept flipping backwards and forwards in time and I got confused. I won't go into too much detail, but I got really confused about what was going on with Richard. And even when I finished the book, I had to ask Claire, like, what, what was going on there? The ending, didn't like the ending, which I won't say what happened. <laughs> um, well, it, did, you, did you not like it because you didn't see it coming or it suddenly became a different kind of book than you thought? I expected something different. Okay. Ooh, interesting. I expected something different. Oh, we'll and talk about that later. With the main character, with regards to Nella, with specifically related to her, mm. I expected basically the opposite of what happens at the end. What was the other thing? Okay. It was a bit, I don't want to say what it was. There was something really unrealistic in there and I don't, I'm mm. not into fantasy or anything that's like not realistic. There was just something that was like, yeah, right, that would never happen. That would never work. Most of the reviews say that, <laughs> how they were like disappointed okay. is like, what is this? This, this is, <laughs> oh, it's just yeah. supposed to be, you know, <laughs> fiction and how cool about, you know, I love the cover of the book and everything and people are talking about how that's really cool and whatever and then all of a sudden they're like what what kind of story am I reading like <laughs> like people were disappointed about that so you're not alone <laughs> you're not alone in oh. that all right. I'm sorry. I just, ah, I, I read it like, it was one of those books. Sometimes I can just blitz through it in like one sitting and that was this book. And I think we actually had a chat, me and Sabrina, with um, a, a professor who specializes in like horror. And I think this is contemporary horror in the workplace. I personally, for me, because I've, I haven't experienced anyone putting, this is giving it away, someone, how do I put it? Uh, someone trying to convert me, let's just say, right? Not like physically, like we've all been there where you see another person of color. You're like, yo, let's be friends. Let's be friends. And nine out of 10, it's like, yes, awesome. But that one time it doesn't happen. You're like, why are you on their side? <laughs> What's up? And this is one of those stories. And she, Nella talks about how she got into this and also publishing because this was loosely based on a real story. She's saying like she gets into a very white dominated field. She worked her ass to get in. Then um, she got along with, what was it? Like a Chinese, there was like another Chinese person and they were like getting on. And, you know, in, and I think this is another dynamic that's specific to POCs. But, you know, sometimes you'll see another, you know, I'll meet like another Korean person. Actually not here because that like never happens here. It's not an immediate connection. So some of the, my good relationships are with like other, um, you know, black friends or South Asian friends or whatnot. And that that dynamic, it's so, oh, it's, it, I can't put words to it because it's very specific to the POC experience. So I love how she went there. And I don't know if you've gotten there now, but when Nella and our editor has to read that god awful racist book pitched by that white fragility is so addressed so beautifully. But Nella understands it. But how do you bring it to your employer who literally like pays for your food and rent you can if you're the only one but you're not the only one you have someone else in with you and they're playing to the other side but it's also so, her job it is oh, her man. job and <sighs> she said she mentioned the words like sensitivity read and i'm like hello yes <laughs> what year is it like this is important as well and here you are trying to sell this book and it's like here here is 
a woman telling you, hey, this might be a bit much, you know, it made me feel weird. And and right off the bat, it's just, oh my God, how dare you? How could you call me racist? And the tears and the storming out. I'm like, I'm, do- I'm doing my job. This You asked me point blank mm-hmm. about that, you know, that character and how you had your issues with it and this and that. And it's like, okay, well, here I am telling you. And then she has to go and like walk on eggshells. Like she's the one who did something wrong. It's like, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was intense. That made me uncomfortable reading it. I was just like, ah, oh, like to be there relatable. in this woman's shoes and, and, and have to explain and, you know, take it down a notch just so that you don't slap this person in the face. And they felt she did anyway, even though she was trying to, you know, edit herself and, and kind of make it so that it would be something they would, they could hear. And she was so torn about it too. Like she was really worried just about voicing this opinion because of how they would react to it. And she was absolutely right to be that worried, you know? So ugh, it was intense. Yeah, but it was, oh... I heard they were going to make a show out of it. I, I heard, I heard, but I would watch it in a heartbeat. But hopefully we can, yeah, well, let's talk about this like off the call because Adrian <laughs> is over here like, what? Um, you just should read it. Now, when you finish it, let me know. We can, oh, we can just discuss it next week. I mean, I just, yeah. yes, of course. I really, I just really liked, I don't, I'm reading another book by this this woman. It's called My Sister, the Serial Killer. Are you watching? Are you reading that? <laughs> I read that. I really like that. I'm, mm. I'm loving I read it. it. On an airplane in one go. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, it's so good. (laughs) I'm loving it. And that kind of got in the way of me reading this one. And I was like, God dang. Like, I I tried (laughs) speeding through this one. But I really, really like how in this book, like I grew up, I love like mystery stuff and whatever. And I was really into this one specific author, Mary Higgins Clark. And everything, everything was predictable. Everything was a white lady with money living in New York City with a family home in like Connecticut or the Hamptons, cashmere sweaters and slacks. I was like, what even is that? Like white lady wear, like rich white lady outfits. Like, ooh, okay. And I mean, they pretty much follow the same pattern, but that was, I got a thrill out of that. I really did. And here I am reading this book and this woman is talking about the smell of shea butter hitting her when another black woman walks into a room. 4C curls, the scarves that they use to wrap their hair, her lack of knowledge of handling her hair because she grew up relaxing it all the time. I was like, oh, I feel seen. I don't know how to do my hair <laughs> because I grew up not embracing this. And and just to read that in a work of fiction, that's pretty damn awesome. Just got to say, I will finish this book. I promise. <laughs> and we'll discuss the rest of it. But even just that, yes. like that was, that was nice to just see that. And, and like, you're obviously like these people understand what they're saying to each other. You don't have to Google image search and to show somebody else that you're talking to. Like, this is what I mean. And, and this and that. They just get it. I mean, there's even like Manny's Dominican. What? Oh, love it. Love it. Okay, I'm done. Sorry. Thanks. <laughs> also, her boyfriend's white. Wait, I it's uh, why is it so complicated being in a relationship with a white person? Do you know what I mean? Like it's oh I was but... noticing yesterday I, I code switch with my family <laughs> and my husband. It's weird. Like usually yeah. that's reserved for like an office setting. No, I do it at home too. <laughs> like, it's just a thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, and also F. Richard. Sorry. Anyways, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, we'll have to talk about this when um, we've all read it. But yeah, Adrian and Sabrina, please read the book. You guys are making me jealous. I've read 
it. So I am looking forward to reading it. To end this off, so if we all, what do we look forward to when we think about the holidays? This year, I'm just looking forward to the break and just being able to not have work. I'm looking forward to the same thing. I really want a break. You know, you need that time where you just like watch something kind of mindless and just your, let your mind like turn off. And I haven't really had a lot of turn off my head type of time. So I'm really looking forward to just taking a break from everything. I'm looking forward to getting out of this apartment and I'm I'm tired of like just doing nothing which is ridiculous because you know you get you get so overwhelmed with when you have a job and you know something to do and university and like you're tired of being tired I'm tired of being tired of doing nothing ridiculous but I'm I'm looking forward to yeah just getting out of here for a little while I'm, I'm very much looking forward to just socializing and and eating and drinking a lot that'd be great that'd be fantastic yeah for me I'm fingers crossed gonna visit home in January if I can come home which I hope I can. That will be amazing. I'll be really, really excited about that because it will be almost three years. It'll be three years in March that I haven't visited, which is the longest by far that I haven't been home. I really, really, really hope that works out because I'll be so happy about that. And then other than that, um, oh yeah, I also want to eat some mince pies. Last time I had my friend sent me some to Korea once and they'd expired by the time they arrived and I still ate them. They were all right. They were fine. They were fine. <laughs> I wasn't sick. <laughs> Yeah, um, I've been loving like all the, the Christmas, Hanukkah and like Kwanzaa lights around. It's just, it's just so festive. Um, and uh, I mean, of course, like I'm naturally excited for holidays end of the year, but I'm going to the U.S. to see my family. We'll see my brother. So hopefully everything goes smoothly. So I'm fairly excited, but it's in January. So a little bit beyond Christmas. Yeah, just getting a rest. So yeah, that's just me closing it out. Looking forward to seeing everyone again in the new year wishing you all the best for the new year hopefully everyone gets rest and you get to do everything that you've planned to do 